Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got a special guest for you guys today. I've got Amish Knox. He's with Sandler Calgary, and he's one of the most decorated trainers that they have. He's a multi-time author in the Sandler Network, as well as the first Canadian recipient of the David H. Sandler Award. He's also had a SaaS client exit at $500 billion. Am I reading that right? That's a B. $500 billion with a B. That's fantastic, brother. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Doug. Great to be here. Awesome. Well, let's get right into it. All right. Um, well, you know what? I, I'm genuinely curious now. Tell me about this $500 billion exit and that client. Well, the the cool thing that, that and I just learned about this, uh, is okay. that the private equity firm who took them over, one of the things that they shared with the global VP of sales, who's my client, uh, was that the reason why they, they exited at such a large number is because what this global VP of sales had implemented in their CRM was the PE firm could track everything to the very beginning of the company and they could actually model forward what they could do so they could actually get their return on investment that they were expecting. And they hadn't really seen that before because a lot of sales teams and Doug, I'm sure you've seen this in your, in your experience with your clients is they're kind of winging it sometimes. And, you know, when you're trying to exit, the buyer's not like, you know, going to cross their fingers and be like, well, I hope I get my return. So that was the big deal is that they could, they had everything so locked down that this PE firm had the confidence that they could actually get their ROI based on the systems and processes that this uh, client of mine had implemented. No, I love that. And I think, uh, you know, we talked about it on the show before and it's, it's common knowledge within our groups, you know, in spaces and stuff like that. But I don't think it is for the listener necessarily. So, mm-hmm. you know, we know the difference between a company that's exitable and mm-hmm. a company that's not is systems and processes and mm-hmm. a proven track record of implementing those to hit the KPIs required in, in order for it to be a profitable business, right? And so in, with the, the sales program in particular, when you when you take on a client and they don't have those things in place, where do you mm-hmm. even start? Well, we, we start with what makes them awesome already because uh, you and I don't work with companies that are broken, right? The companies that are broken, they're pretty much already on their way out. You know, the, the, the body is dead. The head just doesn't know it yet or whatever cliche you want to apply. So the, the companies that we, you and I work with are already doing well, but they want to get to great. They want to become excellent. They want to make it consistent and repeatable. So we want to look back and go, okay, what got you to here? Because a lot of entrepreneurs, especially, they just do stuff. And I fall into this bucket as well, right? It's like, how how do you get there? I don't know. I called people and they said yes, and they gave me money. Uh, And so we want to look back and go, okay, what got you to here? And now what kind of roadblocks are you running into that we could look back and find successes in your past that could help you get to your future when you're stuck in the present? So first thing is always tell us how you got to here so we can replicate those successes by systematizing them and making them out of your own head entrepreneur and give and being making them teachable to your teams. 
and the alignment is real. I'll tell you that right now, because that's literally almost literally one of the things I say, Hey, my job is to get the genius that you've already executed and is in your head onto mm -hmm. digital paper. You know, I used exactly. to say paper because I was big on having PDFs and printing them out and putting them in front of the salespeople and new training based on those. But I understand we're evolving, we're modernizing, mm -hmm. and now our training is virtual. A lot of times it's video based. Mm -hmm. And so we're converting it to digital paper and digital video. Um, but that's, that's, that's a big part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, what projects have you been pretty excited about? What what kind of clients are you working with right now? So we're industry agnostic, really. Ultimately, uh, Sandler is about creating more effective human-to-human -human interactions professionally and personally. So uh, really, mostly we specialize in B2B. Um, and a lot of times it's that enterprise type sale. Uh, so certainly we will work with individuals who are more transactional, but oftentimes it is a giant piece of equipment that might be six, seven, eight, nine figures uh, to install into an oil sands plant. Or it's a SaaS company that is looking to go from series A to series B and all the way up to whatever uh, tra uh, trajectory the founders want to get to. So ultimately, what I'm really loving is learning about organizations and industries that I, I never would have known existed if I wasn't doing what I was doing. And okay helping them bridge the gap between what where they are right now to where they want to be and making it a much smoother path than they think it's going to be because their experience is, well, it was hard to get here. It's going to be harder to get there. And I say, well, tell you what, it's probably going to be a lot easier to get here because we're going to leverage the experience you had and we're going to layer my stuff on to pimp your ride. I love it. I love it so much. So what is what are some of the, I guess, the first things you go after when when you're, you're coming into the, a company and you recognize, hey, this is a huge pivot point. If they just start tracking this or mm -hmm. if they just start learning from this, then, then they could immediately probably add 10 percent, 20 percent to gross revenue. So first thing is starting with the leaders, right? Because, you know, sometimes it's, hey, fix my salespeople. And the question is, well, who hired the salespeople? Um, yeah. Or, you know, did you hire them that way or did you make them that way, leader? Um, and I mean that with all love and respect, you're a wonderful human being. And by the way, you probably know and trained you on how to hire or coach or hold people accountable or anything like that. So I'm going to yeah, support you in that. Exactly. So ultimately it's understanding what are the real key leading indicators that are going to move the needle right away. What are those quick wins that we can go after to start accelerating our revenue? And then from there, uh, I want to be tracking first conversations ever and uh, opportunities moved down or out of the funnel, either out because they were closed, lost, or because they became a client. And the other thing I'm really passionate about these days talking to my clients is coverage, right? So if your goal is to sell $2 million this year and you have a 50% close rate, you better have $4 million in your funnel at all times. Because yeah. if you don't, I mean, I'm bad at math, but I can do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you you, you got to have that going in. And then that way, our sellers remember, oh, I got to put stuff in the top of the funnel all the time, yeah. as opposed to got a big one, boss, fingers crossed. And then, of course, when it falls apart on the back end, they're like, but boss, I was really busy chasing that whale. And like, yeah, that's great, except we're going to sell one and a half million this year instead of two million. And then we're going to have to make some tough choices. This is something I've been 
<clears throat> heavy on lately and my listeners and you know the people that follow me on social media are probably getting tired of hearing it but it's so true like if you establish controllable kpis for your sales team mm -hmm. that will result in what you know to be the the end end of the formula the the result which is you know their target mm -hmm. right that you maybe you set for them or they set for themselves ideally they set it for themselves Mm -hmm. uh, and you establish those controllable KPIs, the, the whales no longer matter. You can have seven whales in your pipeline. You still have to hit that controllable KPI, which is an outbound call, uh, an outbound message, or, uh, you know, a certain amount of inbound leads, conversations, mm -hmm. you know, qualified conversation, wh whatever that KPI is mm -hmm. that is uh, controllable for the most part, you still have to hit that every day. And it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if your pipeline's so beefed up that you know you're about to make more money than you've ever made in your life, you still hit that, that KPI every day, your pipeline is always going to be full. Mm -hmm. And, it, and it's, it's always crazy to me when I look back at my history of building sales teams and then being on sales teams, all the guys that I looked at around me that were way more talented, way more skills, you know, a better network, you know, better looking, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and but they wouldn't consistently do the work, those controllable actions. You find that to be the same in the B2B space and in the software space? Yeah, it, it, the, with the, the quote about success is doing the small things that no one else does on a consistent, regular basis, or I'm butchering the quote, but that's essentially what it comes down yeah. to. And ultimately, as humans, we are all lazy. We are, we're humans, we're lazy. Um, doesn't mean that we're not wonderful. It just means that we're also lazy. And so we yeah. will take the path, the least, path of least resistance. And that's where all of these, you know, spray and pray messaging campaigns came out. And, you know, that's why Google and Yahoo have changed their email rules recently is because sales leaders got lazy with leading their team. So they just beat on their teams. You must hit this number. You must hit this number of reach outs of whatever. And then the mm -hmm. sellers got lazy and went, well, if I got to hit this number, I'll just blast out 5,000 messages and I'll get five back and go, look, boss, I'm succeeding. And yeah. ultimately, we forgot about the most important person uh, or individual in this whole conversation, which is the buyer. So when we don't protect the buyer and hold them safe and make our outreaches about them and their challenges instead of about us and how awesome our stuff is, uh, we're ultimately failing all the way around because the only way to differentiate ourselves is on how we sell, not what we sell. Because what we sell is a commodity in the minds of our buyers. does not matter what we sell. doesn't matter if it's literally a commodity. All the buyer hears when they get an outreach is salesperson. And then ultimately we get into that, hey, that sounds good. Send me a sell sheet or send me a, do me a demo. Oh, cut your price by 10%. And then ultimately we're not going to hit our number anyways, because we're undifferentiated in the buyer's mind. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, do you find that a lot of companies are missing the boat when it comes to that experience, that sales experience? The experience for the buyer. Yeah. 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 That, that's what I mean. The experience for the buyer. It's like you sign them up. They're good to go, you know, and, and obviously we've all seen boiler room. We've all seen, yeah. Philosophy, you know, all these, all these movies that yeah. um, sensationalize sales and everything, mm -hmm. but it's like buy or die and move on. They buy and you move on. Mm -hmm. That's often where a lot of the, 
that referrals can come from. Yeah. Where a lot of um, maybe upsells can come from. Mm-hmm. Your pipeline doesn't stop when they purchase, right? And so totally. I, I think a lot of companies let it go once they purchase and they move on to the next one because it's easy mm-hmm. to grab another one instead of cultivating the relationship that they already have. Well, I heard a number from one of my friends that the churn rate in SaaS is like 89% or something like that. So 89 cents of every dollar you close this year is going to be out of your revenue next year, which is mind boggling to me. And one of the things that I share with with leaders that I work with is your funnel is almost like an hourglass, right? So to your point, right, here's our funnel. We close them here and now we get to land and expand. Now, ultimately, we just put them in the top of the funnel again. So it still looks like a funnel. and. I know I made this mistake when I sold SaaS years ago is I close a deal. Hey, Doug, looking forward to working with you. You're going to love the SaaS platform, media monitoring, crisis management. It's amazing. By the way, somebody in our customer care department will be in touch with you to set up your training. Now, I've yet to run into a company that employs some dot buddy at companyname.com. So two (laughs) weeks later, you're calling me going, who is Catherine and why is she leaving me all these messages? Well, Catherine was the head of our customer service department right? Who's trying to set up your training. But that was my fault as the seller for not saying, Doug, Catherine, Catherine, Doug, please go make beautiful music together. So yes, we often have this, you know, there's a cliche about the hire and forget model of onboarding. And it's almost like Mm -hmm. the close and forget model of client onboarding. If we don't have that transition nicely documented, Again, we go from that, oh, you were a trusted advisor, you held me safe, you followed me along in the buyer journey to, oh, I'm just another number for you. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to start looking for my new, my next vendor right now. And then now we're into that 89% churn number. No, I, I can agree more. It's massive. So when you look at kind of your career with Sandler and everything, um, what do you, and then now you've got the podcast out, mm-hmm. which is, which is fantastic. How far are y'all into the podcast? So we celebrated two year anniversary on October 23rd. Uh, podcast is awesome. full funnel freedom. Uh, so it's for sales leaders who uh, want to keep their funnels consistently reliably full. It comes out every Monday. What was the inspiration behind starting the podcast? So I wrote an article uh, called Full Funnel Freedom in August of 2018. And uh, I am an author, so I like alliteration. And it was one of the most popular articles that I had uh, ever written on my LinkedIn profile. And my uh, head of operations, her name is Nisha. She's like, man, this is this is really good. Like we've got something here. So we started a video series and uh, and she's like, you, you know, do it. You got to do a podcast, go do a podcast. And I, I was like, yes, I got to get my Sandler business to the point where I can support a podcast. Because as you know, Doug, like a podcast is work. And then we also yeah. have work. So uh, I got it to the point where I could um, I could actually launch it. Uh, hired a woman out of England named Anna Parker Naples, uh, who specializes in launching podcasts. And she got us into the top five in Canada, top 50 in the US, top 100 in the UK on launch week. And uh, mm-hmm. we've uh, subsequently transitioned over to a guy named Craig Colossen in Columbus, Ohio, who helps us produce it. Um, and it's amazing because the I interview sales leaders and celebrate their successes because the average tenure for sales leader is 16 to 18 months, uh, which is mind boggling to me. Another and one I have no idea about. <laughs> they don't get a lot of places to be celebrated. So two of my core values are celebration and, and uh, support. So I want to celebrate my guests uh, and the success they've created through others and then support the audience of sales leaders around the world 
keeping their funnels consistently reliably full. Oh, I love it. Love it so much. And I, I couldn't agree more. You know, when I look back at, at my sales work that I had, you know, we were, you know, we did B2B or not B2B, mm-hmm. uh, B2C. And for like AT&T, DirecTV, Vivint, door-to-door, B2B, uh, as well as telemarketing. Um, yeah, when I think about it, the sales leaders that I had, you know, at the at the key player role, like VP of a whole mm-hmm. division, uh, were, you know, five plus years, seven uh, one of them was 12 years. Uh, but when you looked at the like the market manager role, which was market specific, uh, mm-hmm. they turned over, yeah, at least every 18 months, yeah. 100%. And it was, but I mean, some were being promoted, some were mm-hmm. moving on to uh, other businesses or verticals, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was part of it. You know, and it, it's it's always it's easy from our perspective because we know it's a kpi churn is real mm-hmm. and depending on you know the ticket price of the product uh the churn goes up as the ticket price of the product goes down right mm-hmm. and so um you know how do you kind of approach that conversation with your customers and keep people how do you keep people at a in a in a, in a sales team uh so the first thing is i help them understand that they won't because as you, you just said it, right? Churn is real, right? So this isn't the 1950s where it's like, you know, company for life and gold watch at the end and all that kind of stuff. Uh, our individual, our, the individuals on our team are going to move on. And my first sales manager, he said, I see my job as be, making you successful for your next role, whether it's with my company or with another organization. And I, that's really stuck with me. So First thing that we teach our the leaders that we work with in terms of this is ABR, always be recruiting. So we coach our leaders to have at least two phone interviews every single week, whether they're hiring or not. Because I don't know about you, Doug, if I find a rock star, like a true A player, I will find a role on my team for them. It might not be the role that I want them to go into or that they'll eventually end up in, but I will add them to the team. And if they're not a true rock star, they're not an A player. Well, and they're but they're a solid B. They're a, you know I'm in Canada, so I'll use a hockey reference. They're a great second liner. Well, awesome. When someone does turn over on the team, it's way easier for me to pick up the phone and go, "Hey, Doug, I didn't have a role before. I do now. You still want to explore working with me?" As opposed to the first person who walks in and says, "I love prospecting." I'm like, "Awesome. I don't go." You, you fill that role. And of course, that's like a rebound relationship. We've all been there before. So ultimately, always be recruiting. And especially for leaders who are looking for roles like inside sales or customer support. Most of the mm-hmm. clients that I work with, they get their inside sales and customer support uh, new hires when they're getting inside sales or customer support from their vendors, yeah. personally and professionally. So we have to have our, our eyes and ears open to those real rock stars. And actually, I have one leader who got a new hire who she refers to as her Starbucks girl, because literally this new inside sales rep was the Starbucks person who took their order every morning. Wow. That's awesome. No, I yeah. love the acronym too. Always be recruiting. Uh, yeah. And my sales or it was a con we literally had two opportunity meetings a week because we were door to door. So the turnover yeah. was just insane. But really? uh that being said, I got I got a, a question for you. And this I had for my my last guest as well. And I got some, I get I always get interesting answers on this, and they're either one side or the other. It's crazy, but should we build 
or by leaders? Oh, great question. Uh, so it ties into that whole idea of, you know, our salespeople made or born. I believe they're made. Yeah. Our leaders made or born. I believe they're made. So uh, ultimately, my belief is it is less expensive to build a leader up from a uh, from a certain role as long as they want it. This is one of the big challenges in North America, especially as we've been socialized, that we go from, you know, BDR to AE, AE to senior AE, AE to director, VP, et cetera, et cetera. And the fact of the matter is that there are some people out there who just want to be great sellers. They don't yeah. want to have the manager title. And so it is less expensive to build someone up from internal than to go buy someone from the outside. I was talking to a, a senior executive at a commercial construction company in Calgary one time, and they said, without fail, without regard for role, every person they brought in from outside the organization came in and went, well, you hired me for a reason, so I'm going to do things my way. And of course, yeah. they flamed out shortly thereafter because that wasn't what the company wanted. They wanted mm -hmm. someone to accelerate their way, not start something over again. So yeah. my belief is build your leaders. Um, and if you're not building your leaders, that's kind of a failure on who's ever up at the top. Yeah, and it's, you know, and this is a big issue in businesses in general. Most mm -hmm. people aren't willing to go through the pain of building their leaders, you know, of course not. And, and, and that's real from the, but, the easiest way to do it, in my opinion, is from the bottom up, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a lot of times, and and I'm more in the B2C space in terms mm -hmm. of consulting. And so a lot of times in, in sales programs, they hire that entry-level sales rep. And I encourage them the first thing that they should train them on, which a lot of times that entry-level sales rep is 1099. The first mm -hmm. thing that they should train them on to develop them is taxes. Because mm -hmm. that's one of the most stressful times of the year for somebody that's 1099, you know? Totally. And so but you don't train them on taxes. You bring in an expert to train them on taxes, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that kind of sets the tone. It's like, Hey, I'm going to learn things here and I'm going to grow here that don't immediately benefit my employer. Yeah. And so if, if I'm open to that from the beginning and I start doing that from the beginning, by the time I get to, you know, maybe I'm an assistant manager or something like that. And I'm wanting to go to market manager, but my, my company is wanting me to read how to win friends and influence people and they're wanting me to go through the management virtual training i'm going to be so much more open to that because i've been conditioned that hey mm -hmm. to get to the next level we develop ourselves we grow ourselves totally. that's where the leadership development comes in 100 and so we're in we're in alignment there no surprise at all um <laughs> from the beginning what are what are some of the you know i know you talked about they come in they're like hey you hired me for this position but when have you seen it work out really well where somebody's you know, because because you were saying like having those two conversations a week around recruiting, and really they're just connections, like conversation, like what would it look like if you came and worked for us, mm -hmm. um, and then you had them kind of on in the file folder or on on deck, if you will. Yeah. So when you did have that turnover, you had them ready to go. Mm -hmm. How do you set the expectations properly so when they do come into the company that they don't have that mindset of you hired me, I'm going to do things my way, I'm not yeah. going to adapt to the company culture whatever the case is, how do you kind of set that, set that up? I, I love that you asked that, Doug, because it comes down to creating clarity. As leaders, our number one job is to create clarity. And so we coach the leaders that we work with in job interviews, as opposed to saying like, so Doug, you're, you're going to do new business development for us. 
Like, awesome. I have no idea what that means. Hey, Doug, we expect you to make 100 outbound prospecting calls every week, have 20 first conversations ever with, uh, with buyers, and have five discovery calls. How does that sound to you? And by the way, I don't actually care what comes out of your mouth because you're probably lying to me. Um, I'm going to watch your body language. <laughs> I'm going to watch, yeah. I'm going to watch how things change. And actually when I was hiring for an administrative role years ago, uh, and for those of you who are watching on video, you'll be able to see this and I'll describe it for the audio is I said, Hey, there's a lot of filing with this job. Are you comfortable with filing? This is by the way, way back, but when it was paper, yeah. Doug, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. and they went, <laughs> okay. And for those of you who are not on audio or are not on video, I did a half shrug, which is, as you know, the teenager shrug. Most people interpret that as agreement. It's actually an up yours. It's a, yeah, whatever, dude. I, I, I'm going to tell you that I agree with that. And the minute that I saw them go, okay, and, and half shrug, I disqualified them. They didn't know that yet. And they sent me an email the next day going, hey, I decided I'm going to pursue a different role. And I just said, you know, best wishes to you. I had already disqualified them in my head because their body told me everything that their mouth wasn't saying. So number one, clarity up front. And then the other side, the other part of it is I have an article out on my LinkedIn profile about how if your new hire is not performing in three weeks, they're not sticking to their onboarding plan and they're not, uh, in the case of a seller, adding new opportunities to the top of the funnel, fire them. It ain't mm -hmm. going to get better. And even if you're in a long enterprise type sales cycle, uh, it's not going to get better. So within three weeks, this is the honeymoon period. If if a new hire is not sticking to their onboarding plan or and adding new opportunities to the funnel or starting to improve the direction of the team, if you've hired a new leader, get rid of them because mm -hmm. no matter how much you want it to change, it ain't going to change. Yeah, and that just goes right along to what I said earlier, where it's like you've established these KPIs, you know, they're successful, you know, it's what they need to do in the first few weeks, and then they're just not doing them. That's a decision. Yeah, and it's a control. You're not basing it on results. You're basing it on activity. You know, exactly. if they're not willing to do the activity. You got to cut them loose. And and again, it, it it goes back to that other thing where it's like most business owners aren't willing to go through that pain. I've already hired the person. I want them to do the job. I'm willing to accept fifty percent productivity. You know, what I'm saying, and them complaining about the market, the product, the mm -hmm. you know environment, the culture, whatever the case is, but they won't do the simple activity to get it done. So. Look, mm -hmm. you're going to go through a few people in it. Of course, it all depends on industry, you know, mm -hmm. but especially that first salesperson. If you think mm -hmm. the first salesperson you hire is going to be the one that eventually runs a whole sales team and you're just sorely mistaken, you're probably going to go through 10 to get there, you know, Amen. especially in B2C. I would imagine it, it happens just at a lower rate in B2B, you know, mm -hmm. and so um, it just goes right along with that. Um, I am definitely interested in and a lot of the articles you have written what is the best place to go to your linkedin profile for those yeah the absolute best place to find all the, all of my content is uh, on my linkedin page for my articles and then sandler calgary linkedin page or uh, sandler yyc on instagram has all of our videos uh links to mm -hmm. podcasts things like that fantastic and you mentioned that you had wrote a couple of books what are those books about what are the titles in case our uh, viewers want to check them out 
So first book, uh, it'll actually be the 10th anniversary, November 1st this year, is Accountability, The Sandler Way. Uh, and the second okay. book is called Change the Sandler Way. Uh, so I write books on topics no one likes to talk about. Uh, and the, the book on change is about the human side of change. Because change is really simple, right? We, we don't have a CRM. We do have a CRM. We have this comp plan. We have that comp plan. That's change. Humans don't change, they transition. So the book is all about all of the emotions and roadblocks and challenges that we're going to run into when we initiate a change from those squishy emotional things we call human beings that we need to run our businesses. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Okay. So one of the things that I typically implement in companies that I consult for is a quarterly review of the sales program. And it's not as much of a review as it is a mindset that, hey, our sales program is going to change quarterly, whether it's the mm -hmm. product, the way that we market, the way that we prospect, the way that we compensate, which is typically mm -hmm. the biggest one. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason that I put this in place is because when I was a dealer for AT&T, they would literally change the compensation every quarter. They would adjust the marketplace. They would change pricing, whatever mm -hmm. the case was. But they would change compensation accordingly, bonuses, incentives, spiffs, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I got tired of telling my salespeople, hey, this is the commission and mm -hmm. having to change it a quarter later. And right. so every comp plan at the top left is the quarterly period, which that comp mm -hmm. plan is for. So, you know, Q, Q1 2024 and then the subsequent comp plan division, whatever the case was, then all the products would be on there, the compensation for each one. Mm -hmm. And so if you're changing your comp plan quarterly or you have a big change coming to your comp plan, how do you mm -hmm. present that to your team? So I, I love how you framed that with the team of like clarity, right? That's clarity, right? Mm -hmm. Q1 2024, boom. Do not expect this to go beyond. And by the way, if it does, if it doesn't change, awesome. Less paper. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so the, the one thing that leaders forget is we go through all the same emotions as our team. We just did it way back when, right? Because you yeah. probably knew about those comp plan changes 30 days in advance, maybe 60 days in advance. And then, of course, yeah. you roll it out to the team. And, and I'll take you out of this, Doug, we roll out a change to the team and mm -hmm. the team's like, well, what about this? And what about that? And in our heads, we're like, why are you not agreeing with us? Like, this yeah. is, this is brilliant because <laughs> we forgot that we did, we had all the same emotions and questions way back when we initiated. So a couple of things, depending on how our team members like to communicate, if you've got some more reserved, right, the, the people who think, and then they talk, you want to give them a bit of a high level preview, Right. Hey, Doug, you know, two weeks before the meeting. Hey, Doug, want to let you know, we're going to make some adjustments to the comp plan for Q2. Uh, nothing scary. Uh, I'm happy to answer all your questions at that time. I, I need you to know, though, that there are going to be some adjustments coming to the comp plan. So those are your reserved communicators. Your active communicators, the ones who talk to think, they're fine. They'll, they'll tell you everything that you need to know the moment you roll it out. So give them a bit of preview. <laughs> And then the next thing, when we roll out any change, we want to hit them in order of how they communicate. So we so we have communicate we have team members who are just bottom line results oriented, right? They just want to know here's the change, and then we have other communicators who want to know like, is it exciting, right? How much fun is it going to be? Oh, we've got all these new spiffs that you can get into, and then we have communicators who want to make sure that everybody else on the on the team is really supported. And whether they're leaders or sellers, doesn't matter. Like, okay, this is going to be fine for the team. Everybody's going to still make roughly the same amount of money as they did last time, if not more. And then you have people who want to know the nitty gritty. And you save them for last because those last two groups 
will hang out to the end. However, as leaders, we tend to communicate the way we want to be communicated to. So if we're a leader who wants to get into that real nitty gritty, we tend to start there and we lose the rest of our audience. So mm. whenever we're communicating something, we want to start with bottom line, the excitement, the effect on the team, and then get into the nitty gritty. And we will hit all of the di different communication styles of our team and our message will actually resonate. I love it. And it's a very detailed process and an easy system to follow, which we'll definitely include in the show notes. Um, because I think that's one of the big questions for a lot of small businesses is like, mm -hmm. how do I even bring this to my team? You know, and, and the simple answer for us was always very much like, you've got a way, you got to find a way to spin it where it benefits them. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, then you got to go to bat and you got to fight mm -hmm. for them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You got to go back to AT&T and be like, hey, you're literally just cutting our compensation and not giving us any incentive to perform or anything oh. like that. And you got to go to bat. You know, that's kind of the filter we ran it through. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times it was very much like, hey, if we just make one more sale a week, we can hit a bonus tier and you end up making more money than the previous compensation plan. You know, a lot of times it was that or it's a because of this product change that they had, we're going to sell more product. And so having a lower compensation is OK because we're going to still end up making more money because we know mm -hmm. we convert higher when this product is in place or whatever the case is. So there was always a way to spin it, especially if you're on your P's and Q's with your data. And you mm -hmm. could figure out ways to ways to spin it from there. Awesome, brother. Well, it's been a jam-packed episode already, but I do have mm -hmm. one more question for you. This sure. one is probably a little closer to home. So, uh, and I, I heard you talk about like Sandler's purpose, but I'm very curious mm -hmm. about yours. So what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind? So my North Star, so I have my vision board just above my computer over here as we're recording. So my North Star is to create generational wealth for my daughters and I do enjoy now by supporting as many sales leaders and sellers as possible. So ultimately, that's why uh, part of my 25-year vision is to be fluent in eight languages because the more languages wow. I speak, the more people I can support. That includes English, by the way. Um, so <laughs> the, 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 And also, when I, under, when I can speak a language, I can understand how that person thinks and I can better frame my my coaching to their worldview as opposed to try to imposing my worldview on them. So ultimately, mm -hmm. the, the legacy for me is, you know, did, did I do my daughter, are my daughters really amazing people? And they already are. Um, mm -hmm. And have I supported someone in a way that made their life better. And my daily question is, who did I support today? And whether that was a barista at Starbucks because I treated them like a human being, uh, or yeah. whether it was uh, a friend I met networking who lo was looking for an introduction to something that didn't put money in my pocket. And I knew someone who did that. And I said, yeah. we'll make beautiful music together. So that's ultimately what legacy means to me is, did I, did I support someone to make their life better? And by extension, making other people's lives better. I love the... The legacy you know obviously I'm, I'm a big family man myself so i've got uh, two sons and a daughter so that's huge for me but what i love about what you said is the eight different languages because mm -hmm. now not only can you affect everybody in english you know there's seven other languages that if you hit that mark that you can have effect in. and there's nothing more empowering than to be able to bring somebody's home to a place that normally doesn't exist mm -hmm. you know and so I can think about all the different, you know, networking events and conferences and everything that I've been to. And there's someone there that kind of has broken English 
-hmm. and whether it's they speak Spanish or French or, you know, their, their native language is different than the language that I've spoken in that conference. And you can be that mm -hmm. person to bridge the gap for them and mm -hmm. kind of give them a little bit of home. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's an impact that they may not remember your name, but they'll remember how you made them feel, Amen. which is massive when you talk about sales, because it's like, man, so much of what we used to do was beat down the door and run through it. You know what I'm saying? But now how we've evolved in our industry to where it's like, Hey, we're customizing our approach to the individual, you know, mm -hmm. and you were literally customizing your communication approach to their language. So mm -hmm. I commend you for that, sir. And I, and I hope you do hit that mark. Thank you very much. Yeah. I want to, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, just dropping gym after gym for us and our listeners. We appreciate you. And we'll definitely include the links in the show notes to your website, your podcast. And then I, I would assume that those books are on Amazon as well. We can find those. They are on Amazon. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. And so we'll definitely include those links as well. Uh, Hamish, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Doug. All right. Let's get building y'all.